So you guys are here for the How to Make a Million Dollars class, right? Yeah. You're in the wrong place. This is the personal, this is the personal development class for uh, how to get out of debt, um, how to reduce your tax liability, uh huh, and, and to make some money. And to make some money. All right. My name is Tim Austin. These are my amazing sisters. You guys want to introduce yourselves? My name is Valerie Williams. I'm in the Westchester region. Ooh. My name is Renee Ross, I'm in the Bronx. And I'm just humbled to be here, you know. My name is Tomas, I'm from Brooklyn. Say that. <laughs> all right, so, all right, all the phones. Say that crazy. No, right? Right? All right, so, really quickly, guys, we, we know you, there are three different topics, and so we want to get a feel for who's here, for what. So quickly, if we can just buy, you know, Raise your hand and quickly say, like, what are you here for? So we can kind of get a feel for the room. We'll kind of run through a bunch. Okay? All of it. All of it. Amen. Oh, oh. Oh, Okay. Oh, that seemed oh. like the big answer. All right. That's, uh, okay. So, so, so our plan is going to work. Okay. So to give us as much time as possible, we're just going to get started. Uh, we'll, we'll all speak. We'll all share a little bit of something. And we'll have some time for questions at the end. How's that sound? Hi. All right. Buckle your seatbelts. Let's do it. Our first up is Valerie Williams. Sorry, I got to get my material. Ouch. Woo! <laughs> so I know it says... Whatever it says on that paper, that's not really uh, <laughs> what it is. Paper lies. Yeah, so. But amen. So in Matthew 17, 24, it says, After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. So, and that's basically, Jesus paid taxes. Mm. We got to pay taxes. Mm. But, the thing is, is that you have to pay taxes, but you don't have to pay more than your fair share. All right. So, and so this is the point of my brief lesson, because there is no way <laughs> that you could talk all of taxes in five minutes. But we're going we're gonna to go with the turbo class right now. All right, let's get <laughs> so, so let me get up my turbo notes. I'll find you on Westchester. So really the, main, the, really the main answer to all of this in terms of how to reduce your tax liability, and by tax liability I mean how much you owe the government at the end of the year mm-hmm. when you file your taxes. Your tax liability is not what you owe on your tax return. Your tax liability is what you really paid all year long. So... So, the, but the biggest answer is plan ahead. And have you all heard, because, you know, church, we say some things we say all the time. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you wait till, this, till April 15th to roll a dice and see what happened with my taxes, it will not, it may not go well. It can, because, you know, it's a lot of different factors go into what you owe at the end of the year. But if you don't plan ahead then you can't really expect good results. You may get them. I'm not saying you won't. Know this too. Now, a key part to planning ahead is this. I was, I, 
I do taxes. I have a master's in taxation and all that. So I'm watching TV one morning as I'm getting ready for work. And Good Morning America has this list of top things people do to save money that don't really save you money. The first thing on the list was do your own taxes. They say people that do their own taxes end up owing more money in the end. And one of the key reasons, you know, of course I had to think about that in my mind, because, you know, I do taxes, is why is that? One of the key reasons is when you do your own taxes, you generally, people generally don't plan ahead because they don't know what to plan for. So my advice to you, if you can at all afford it, get somebody to, to help you with your taxes at, at the year end. Because you will probably be able to get them to help you all year long. I pretty much stay in touch. People that I do their taxes, and I do quite a few people in the church and out of the church, they, call, they, they do call me all year long. And so I put all kinds of questions of what, you know, what should I do, how should I do. And because of the plan, that plan ahead part, usually you need some help with that. Now, a couple of things that you should plan ahead for in a, is, is what your income, your taxable income is. And one way you can plan ahead of that is make sure that if your company has a retirement program, that you would participate, because that's what the, the government calls that tax deferred money. Any money that goes into that, you don't have to pay taxes on right now. You pay it later on, hopefully when you retire. Hopefully you won't have to dig into it later on and pay more taxes. But participate in that, because you, any money that you don't have any pay taxes, they have matching, participate in that, because the money you put in, the money that they put in, no taxes. But again, why it's good to have a tax professional is so sometimes people just know, what should I, how much should I, what should So that's why it's good to have someone that knows taxes to help you with that. Another thing is, when you, um, let me see what my next point is. <laughs> oh, I need my glasses, hold on now. Oh, and this is a key point. Uh, give to God. Come on now. Any, <laughs> not just because it's good for your heart, but any, but the, but you get you get a deduction for all the money that you give. So the more you give, the more deduction, the less taxes. Now I'm not saying that you. And let me say this: I go to New York City Church of Christ. That's the main thing I give to. But you can give to any charity that's considered a charitable organization by the government. So the, so the more you do with that, the, the less it's going to. That, that will definitely reduce your tax. For in general. And the reason I say in general, because that's if you itemize. If you don't know what I mean by itemize, that's fine. But that's, that's, that's some tax lingo, which, which serves my point of it's good to have a tax professional. <laughs> so, so, so really, the, it, very quick nutshell, that's some ways that you can re reduce your tax liability at the end of the year. And the, but the key determination of that is there's a form that everybody fills out when they start a job called a W-4. Yeah. And that, that is the determinant factor of what's going to be taken out of your check every time you get paid. That is really the key form that determines how it's going to look at the end of the year. If, that, if you don't put the right information on that form, you, you may owe at the end of the year. It's, don't say to your, the person that does your taxes, why do I owe money? Well, you still got the form wrong. And if you do owe money, um, and, and if you don't, and if you get a refund, and you get a big refund, 
you, you, that doesn't mean you filled out the form right. That actually means that you filled out the form incorrectly because the goal should be, now I know everybody likes, I love, everybody loves getting a big refund because, you know, you can spend, you got the money, you can spend it. But all that really does mean is that the government has been holding on to your money all year long. And why should they? And, no, and, paying, no and, and paying no interest. So, so what you really want to do, and again, which proves my point, it's good to have a tax professional. What you really want to do is, oh, a little bit, like, like $10, <laughs> or really under 1000 Anytime, that's really the best place to be, because that means you've been holding on to the government's money for, for the year, and you don't owe them any, any interest on it. So if, if you want to save, open a savings account. Don't give the government your extra money. <laughs> so when you get your tax return at the end of the year, you want to you want to evaluate what what did I get back and how. But again, if you don't have a tax professional helping you, that's kind of hard to determine. But I'm gonna give you the one thing to know: if you get back a large refund, you're, you're taking out too much each check. If you owe a lot, you're not taking enough and out each check. So you got to fix your. So you knew. So whatever you do, you got to fix your W four. And that's that's all I have for you guys. Thank you. All right. But uh, I, I will let me. Uh, if you if you if you want to reach me, go to my website. It's www. V as in Victor, C as in Charlie, W as in William, C as in Charlie, P as in Peter, Apple A. dot com. VCWCPA. dot com. All my card contact me is on that website. Can you repeat that? Certainly. VCWCPA.com. There you go. Everybody got it? All right. Uh, so this car is still moving. Could you do me a favor and just make sure that door's cracked for anybody trying to get in? Thank you. Crack just a little bit. Um, cool. So my name is Tim Austin. Like I said, I'm going to be talking about how to get out of debt because I got a whole lot of it. Uh, can anybody relate? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, so I, I, I personally have student loan debt because I went to school out of state and I, I did not know. I guess I knew, but I wasn't fully aware of the consequences of when you get out. Uh, and so that's, the, that's what I'm living right now. Uh, but I want to start us off. I know that may not be everyone's story. You may have debt from different things. And so I just want to start us out on a spiritual perspective because it does relate to everyone. Uh, I've been reading through Proverbs, and it's great. I want to look at uh, chapter 16 of Proverbs. And we're just going to read verse 32. Uh, for time, I'm just going to keep on rocking. It says, uh, Proverbs 16 Verse 32 says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes the city. The thing with money is that it's a tool, uh, but it takes self-control to be able to properly manage your finances. I am not the poster child for self-control with my finances, uh, but I have learned that in order to get where I want to be, that's something I have to grow in. Uh, it's a fruit of the spirit, but it takes actively pursuing it. Like anything else you pursue in life or in your spiritual walk, you have to pursue self-control. Um, whether that's, well, I'll get into my steps later. Um, is that a strength of yours? 
If not, then how? what are you doing to work on it? Mm. What are you doing to make sure that you're growing? What, what are you seeking out? I mean, you guys are here. That's a great step. <laughs> but what are you doing in your practical day-to-day life to make sure that you're growing and managing your finances properly? Um, the other thing I want to share is um, Proverbs 15.22. It says in Proverbs 15.22, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Um, again, you guys are here. So that shows that you're thirsty for knowledge, you want help, and I think that's great. But when you leave here, and again, in your day-to-day, who is in your life? Who are you sharing your challenges with? Are you seeking out uh, advice? Are you seeking out wisdom inside and outside of the church to make sure that you're going to grow and this doesn't just become a continuous problem? Um, I will say that uh, I started off with six figures of debt, so that's over $100,000 in debt. That's a whole lot of money. I wish it was the reverse and was in my account, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but now I'm down to, like, 83. And so I have made some changes in the way that I spend my money, in the way that I organize my money that has allowed me to, you know, step a little bit closer. And it feels good. You know, you feel the kind of the weight off of you a little bit. I can't go crazy. I just try to be self-controlled. Um, but I am making progress. I'm grateful for that. So what I'm going to share is just what's helped me. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, the end will ask questions, or you guys will ask questions, and hopefully some of this resonates with you. Uh, the first thing is going to be nothing new. The first step that I'm going to give is make a budget. Okay. That was, about, that was about three of y'all. Let me try one more time. Make a budget. Okay. All right. It's not a scary word. It's actually an empowering thing. Um, making a budget doesn't help unless you stick to it. Uh, you know, some, some advice was given to me is very basically a budget is, is breaking down your expenses and, and measuring them against the money that you're making. Uh, I see some finance guys out here. I'm like, why are you not teaching this class? But, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what are you spending your money on consistently? You have, you have different expenses. You have um, variable expenses and fixed expenses. So fixed expenses are things like rent, uh, things that don't change. Uh, my cell phone bill doesn't change. Hopefully, you know, you're the same. Uh, but these are things that are going to be the same every month. Those are your fixed expenses. Uh, and then you have your variable expenses, things that may go up and down. Uh, your grocery, your, your eating out, uh, your travel, uh, your Uber, like, I don't know, things that kind of go up and down that are flexible. Um, those are your, your variable expenses. Uh, you, so when you make a budget, it may seem daunting, but I encourage you to look online. Like, look on, like, Google Docs. They have great things that can, like, kind of get you started. Uh, Google's a great tool. YouTube is another great thing that I just kind of get. I pull pieces of things that work for me and, and try to apply them to, to my own personal budget. And I've seen how it's grown. Like, I started off with just, like, a budget and just kind of, like, figuring it out. And now I have, like, my, my spreadsheet is bomb. Um, I need to grow at sticking to it, but I have, like, I know my, my, what I make bi-monthly. I know what, how much I'm paying on my loans annually, and so I can kind of project. And it's truly empowering. Because there are things that I want to save for, and once you know where your money is and what's accounted for, then you can plan for stuff. Yeah. I want to go on this hope trip. I know I'm going to this retreat because they happen every year. Let me put some money aside. Special contribution happens every year. Let me put some money aside. And so it's really just about planning. Um, but it takes self-control. Because, again, a budget is nothing unless you stick to it. Uh, My second point is if you specifically have student loan debt, I don't know if this applies to other debt, uh, but for me, consolidating all your different student loans was very helpful. Does anybody have student loans from multiple vendors? Let's go, Buki. All right, okay, we out here. Um, You know, I had a mix of, of, of 
private loans and, and, and public governmental loans, uh, subsidized, unsubsidized, I'm speaking Chinese, you know, they're just different types of loans. Uh, consolidating, consolidating them puts them all together and allows you to just pay one thing as opposed to trying to like put money over here, over here, over here. And it also it decreases the amount of interest, or it should at least decrease the amount of interest so that, you know, you're not paying all these different variable ones. Um, um, the third thing is, you know, try to pay off the lowest amount first. Uh, I had a small loan that was around like $9,000 back in Virginia, and, uh, you know, I just started trying to throw money at it. Like, okay, what if I have, you know, 500, if I have 200, I have 1,000, I got a raise, all right, bet, boom, let me take that, let me get what I need to get to God, right? Because I wouldn't have anything without him. Let me get that to God, but let me just throw as much to this loan as I can as possible. And then once that's finished, you brush your shoulders off, your credit score goes up, and then you get these bigger loans. That's real <laughs> um, Yeah, so those are kind of like the, the four steps. I would, I would make a budget. I would, I would search how to find it. Uh, I would consolidate if you have loans from different vendors. Uh, I would pay off the lowest amount, uh, and, I would, and then I would pursue the one with the highest interest. Uh, some, some have like, you know, 11% interest, and that's huge yeah. because it compounds over time. And you're going to wind up paying off way more than you borrowed in the beginning. Uh, so I would pay the lowest amount off first because you can knock that out easily. Um, and then I'll pay the one with the highest interest because that's the one that's going to grow. Um, but again, all this comes back to, to self-control. Is this a priority? You know, there are many things that we could be pursuing. You will always, always prayerfully, you know, be making money and spending money. And so this is a continual thing that's going to happen through your life. Are you prioritizing time to, to plan for it? Are you prioritizing that time to, to go back and input the money that you're spending so you can track yourself and see? Uh, it may seem tedious, uh, and it may seem like a lot. Um, but the benefits of, of making it a priority are going to outweigh anything else. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Uh, so again, my name is Renee Ross, and just to give you an idea of my background so that you can understand what I'm, some of what I'm talking about and give some validity to it is I've worked in the financial industry for many years. I've worked as a portfolio manager and a trader at an investment firm. Um, I had my own business working with clients for 19 years and most recently um, started working at an, um, in, in the corporate again. And I worked as uh, uh, helping people invest in uh, securities mm -hmm. as well as in insurance and now I'm also doing some in banking. Mm -hmm. So the scripture that I thought about is 1st Timothy 5 verse 8 and it says anyone who does not provide for their relatives mm -hmm. and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about in terms of starting to make money is having an emergency fund. So even when we have debt, we need to have an emergency fund because if something should come up and we don't have any money, we tend to go, like Valerie could say, to our retirement accounts, which will hurt us in the long run or go to credit cards, which will create more debt. So there's a thing that we have to do in tandem with taking care of other parts of our finances, and that's creating an emergency fund. Okay. With an emergency fund, what you need is three to six months at a minimum of expenses and preferably as income. 
So if your expenses are less, you would have a little bit more if you're holding three to six months of income aside. You should put that in a liquid account, some kind of a savings account. Right now, interest rates are very low. Mm -hmm. But you put it in a savings account so that you can access it easily, so that you have um, the ability to use it when you need it most. Okay? Um, you want to, uh, like I said, avoid debt. And so the, the emergency fund, you look for the best rate that you can find. But again, rates are fairly low right now. The next thing you want to do is, like Valerie was talking about, put money into your retirement accounts. At your job, you want to put money into your 401k, your 403b, your 457 plan. What happens is the bulk of the money in the long run, if you talk to anybody that's had an account that's been growing over time, the bulk of the money that's in there is the money that has grown. If you look at what was contributed, it's significantly less than the money that has grown over time. And so you want to have the time, the money in the market. Some people are afraid, and it's understandable. If we had less experience in dealing with the market, then we may have some fears about being involved in the market, but that's where people make money. Over time, historically, the stock market has performed about 8% on average per year. Inflation on a whole has been about 3% per year. Even during these years when it's been fairly low, it's 3%. If you put money into a savings account that's earning less than 1%, over time, your money is degrading. Mm -hmm. It's degrading. degrading. You're losing your purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And so the fear of not being in the market or the fear of being in the market and having the money go up and down, which is just natural. That's just the way it goes, up and down. The fear of that is not as great as the fear of inflation eroding the funds that you have in a savings account. Okay? So if you think about it, if you had $20,000 in 10 years, that $20,000 is not going to buy you the same $20,000 worth of gas, food, rent, all the things that you need on a regular basis. So you need to put money into a retirement account at your job. Like Valerie said, your company may match. And if they match, if they match dollar for dollar, for example, if you put $100 in, they'll put $100 in. Mm -hmm. If you don't put $100 in, you're not only missing your $100, you're missing the $100 that they were going to give you. And so that is a benefit that you don't want to miss out on. Some only match 50%. But whatever it is that they're going to give you, you want to take it. Mm -hmm. And if they don't give it to you, you still want to put it away for yourself, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So now, the other thing is, um, now that all companies must provide something called a target date fund mm -hmm. for your retirement account. So if you don't know what to invest in, and that's holding you back, every company must provide something called a target date fund. And what that means is, you figure out what is your expected or your targeted retirement date. And there's a fund that is already put together for you with the right asset allocation for you so that all you have to do is buy that fund. Mm -hmm. And this way you have less reason not to be involved in the market. Mm -hmm. And over time it will be adjusted based on what the, the closer you get to retirement it will become more conservative so that you don't have to worry about making those kinds of changes on your own, okay? Um, the next thing is an IRA. 
for yourself. And again, this is retirement, and it's very important. I don't know if anybody saw last week they were talking about in this new tax bill, they're considering, I don't know how well it's going to go over, but they're considering reducing the amount of contributions into your 401k. Currently, if you're under 50, you can put $18,000 into your 401k annually. If you're over 50, you can put $24,000 into your 401k. They're considering dropping it down to $2,400. That's what they're trying to put into the new bill. Now, they're saying people are not saving enough for retirement, but if they put it down to $2,400, there's no way anybody can save enough for retirement. So you want to try to take advantage of the opportunities that are there at the moment. And sometimes we don't know these things happen until after they happen. You know? So the, the next piece is an IRA. That's an individual retirement account. It's something that you can open on your own. If you, um, anybody can open up an IRA on their own, and it allows them to put money away for retirement in the future. There are two different types. There's a traditional, which you pay with um, pre-tax dollars. Valerie can talk to you a little bit more about that, um, the differences between the two. But the thing is, is that some people don't have ability to put money away at their, at their job, so they can use a traditional IRA and get the tax benefit. But especially for younger people, there's something called a Roth IRA, which allows you to put money in after tax. And putting in after tax dollars, which at the moment means that you don't have to pay um, the taxes when you take the money out. You pay the taxes in advance. You don't pay the taxes when you take the money out, but you're not going to pay the taxes on the, on the um, growth on that money either. That's going to be great because the time in the market is where you're getting the biggest um, increase in your account. A Roth, R-O-T-H, IRA. The next thing, and those were both kind of long-term investments for retirement, but the next thing is looking at just the difference between investing and saving. So now, saving is putting the money, money away for short-term needs. If you want to buy a house, you want to make sure that that money's there. You put it in the bank. It's not going to earn very much. Interest rates are very low. But you know when you go to the bank that you can just take that money out. Investing, on the other hand, is putting money into something that has the potential to do well or do badly. <coughs> but over time, it usually performs better, especially when you're in the market. And so investing means that you're putting money into an account that is invested in stocks and bonds and cash. And what you would like to do for yourself in an individual account is put something into a mutual fund. A mutual fund is going to be... Um, a lot of people get together, they all have the same objective, they all want to make money on, say, growth stocks, for example. They pool their money, not on, each individual has their own account. All the people put the money together, someone like myself goes out and buys securities for that fund. And with that, you're going to still have the same potential for growth as you have in your 401k. It's such that you have more accessibility to those funds if you need it. Now, if you, you know, Understand that if you're going to in make an investment, you're looking at it as more of a longer-term kind of perspective, five, <coughs> ten years. But you can invest something that's long-term, intermediate-term, short-term. But that's the way that you're going to be able to do it on your own without having the restrictions that a retirement account would have for you. Okay. Um, we talked about fear. We, you know, take a look at how the market moves. If you get an opportunity to look online and see the stock market 
how it's performed, it's gone up and down, up and down. And that's what people get afraid of. They think, like, I don't want all my money to go away. I don't want to lose anything. Well, people would prefer to not lose any money but make a lot of money, and that's a contradiction. Exactly. And so but the thing is, is that once you look at this up and down movement for so many years, on average, the, the market's gone up. When you look at it, it's gone up 8% per year. Not every year, but 8% per year on average. And so being in the market is the way to be able to make money. <clears throat> One thing that I would say don't do, your circumstances may be different, but don't do, is buy CDs. When you're buying a CD, you're locking your money into, at the moment, low interest rates. The market, it, we've been expecting interest rates to rise for some time. They haven't yet, but they're starting to inch up a little bit. But if you lock yourself in, when the interest rates do rise, you don't have anywhere to go. And if you need to take the money out for Excuse me, an emergency, for example, you have to pay for that. Excuse so, me, is there a determined amount for the CD? Is there a three-year CD, six-year CD? They have all different, all different terms. Okay. That's a term. They have all different terms for CDs. And so, what is a CD? A CD is a, I'm sorry, a CD is a certificate of deposit, and what it is is you buy something, a piece of paper that says, You've gotten a certificate of the deposit that you've made, usually to a bank, saying that they will pay you a certain amount of interest based on the amount of money and the time that you're leaving it with them. They're going to take that money and invest it in other things. They will pay you something, but of course you're going to get a smaller amount because they're getting the bigger amount. Yep. Right. And so CDs are something that unless you absolutely need to, and there are some circumstances where that may need to be done, that you would want to avoid. And one, yes. And also, uh, what I was thinking was a CD and a Christmas club. Mm -hmm. Does it share the same concept? Well, no. Christmas clubs are good. Vacation clubs are good. So those things are savings accounts that a bank may have, which allows you to put money away on a regular basis, maybe every paycheck, whatever you decide, so that at that time, just before Christmas, they will send you a check for the money that you saved, and then you have that money. You don't have to dip into or use a credit card in order to cover your Christmas expenses. You don't have to cover you know, vacation expenses, things like that. And do you also have access? You can. In, in some places, I know that you can go and ask them to send it to you early. You would need to check with that institution to find out what they what their um, restrictions are. Okay, so in most cases, you just get some kind of penalty. You would need to check with the financial institution. I know of some that do have penalty-free, but you'd need to check with the financial institution. One of the the last thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of um, being able to make some money is something that's not always thought about, not always um, discussed, is insurance. Yeah. So there is insurance and there is whole life insurance which allows you to buy, um, and this is for people who have a need. So I'll say first of all, we all have a need in that even if we're single, even if we have no children, we do not want to leave a responsibility to our family if something should happen to us. Mm -hmm. So we all have a need to have some part um, in, having whole, in having insurance. Now whole life insurance means that you have insurance for your whole life. And 
What you want to have is something that is cash value insurance so that as you hold the insurance, it's building up some kind of cash value. It's not a lot. It's not going to, I mean, there's different types, but the, the one that's the most plain vanilla has been around for the longest, straight whole life insurance. It's going to have very low um, kind of interest rate that they're paying into it, but over time, the amount of money that can be that can grow in that cash value policy can be significant. What you want to make sure is that the um, cash value gets paid out with the death benefit with that insurance. So, but that's something that is a significant way for people to build up um, additional funds, and you also have access to the money while you have that policy and it's in good standing. Some people can borrow from the cash value to do things that their bank may not allow them to do because it's their own policy and it's their own money. And does each insurance company determine the rate of interest once you borrow against the cash value? Yes. Yeah. So they're all going to have their own their, their own um, rate uh, of parameters. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, can you please elaborate a little bit more on the cash value? Uh, you can borrow or how Well, just simply, and again, different companies have different, you know, they all do things a little bit differently. But when you're making a payment into your, it, it's kind of like when you buy a house. When you buy a house, you pay a portion of it is, goes to principal, a portion of it goes to paying down the, the loan, the mortgage. And so you can see the equity in the home increases. It's the same thing. The equity in your insurance increases. And so the company makes a determination, and these are big numbers with amortization and you know, lives and, and all that stuff. They figure out how much is your policy based on your age and your health. And the younger you are and the healthier you are, the cheaper it is. And when you buy it at that very young healthy age, whatever it is, you keep that premium for the rest of your life, right? And so that's why it's good to start when you're younger because you're not going to ever be that age again. And as we get older, things happen just naturally. And so what we have the ability to maintain that policy and have it, we have the equity built up in the policy um, that we have access to. It used to be that once a person built up cash value in a policy, once they passed away, they couldn't get that, but now they allow you to That's get That's why it. I said what you want to do is look for a policy that allows you to have the death benefit and the cash value. Okay, thank you. Yeah. The death benefit and the cash value. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to share. Oh, um, you know what, I, I used to have a business and then only recently I stopped, I will give you my cell phone number. I won't call you to crack it down You know what, I'll give you my email address. Okay, it's R L V as in Victor R O S S at A O L dot com. Please put in the subject line um, Edge Retreat because I don't open up this. I don't open up my email. Can you repeat it one more time? R L 
V as in Victor, R-O-S as in Sam, S as in Sam, at AOL.com. Yeah, Edge Retreat. Yes. Just, I'm sorry, just one second. Uh huh. I was saying the majority of think of, you know, younger range, but as you get more mature, you know, you look at different life insurance. Term insurance is not always the best. But again, I learned that over time, so I'm just putting out there. Yes. And yeah, so it's true. I, I mentioned that whole life is, is the best way, but there, let me explain why term may not be so good. You know, term insurance, people often look at what's cheapest. Right? They say, okay, that's cheapest. Why should I pay more for term insurance will be the cheapest. And you know why it's the cheapest? Because it hardly ever gets paid off. And so they, they put that into the calculation and they don't have to charge that much for it. So now term insurance can be for a certain term as well, for five years, 10 years, 15 years. But the thing is, is if you do not, or the person does not die within that time frame, it doesn't get paid out to the beneficiaries. And so there may be a reason to have it. There's a reason for all of the insurances and, and the, the purposes to figure out what's gonna be best. I work as a, a certified financial planner, and so I sit down with people and I talk to them about what their particular situation is, and then look at what's going to be the best um, solution for their problems. But for someone who is looking for a foundational type of insurance, something that's going to help them with their finances over time, whole life is going to be the thing. It's, it's a piece of foundational insurance that will be there for your whole life. You get it when, if you can get it when you're younger, no matter when you get it, you're not going to pay more for it, um, less for it than you, than you will at that time. But if you get it when you're younger, you're going to get a, a much um, lower premium for it that you can keep for the rest of your life and build up cash value. Yes. Uh, so what do you have to say, like about? Cause I, I'm not in it, but you know, I've, I've sat down with the primary people. They told me about the, the term life and cash value. Um, <laughs> basically, you, you put in, you put in the money. They, they it rolls over time. Their 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 plan is basically it's a retirement plan as well. So it's kind of like a form. You put money in it rolls over time. You set the amount that you want after 30 years, and that, that those 30 years you get that money back. You don't get the life insurance anymore because, you're, you're, like let's say, your $500,000 is your cash value life insurance. You just take that with you. And all the time they get to mess, they get to invest with that as well. You know what? You can use the cash value in your policy as supplement to your retirement. It ha cash value life insurance has a lot of flexibility. That's one of the advantages of it. So it's possible to use as a supplementary retirement. It's possible to use as um, being able to take out as a down payment to a home. It's possible to use to help put a child through college, depending on how soon you start it, what size the policy is. It, it, there's a lot of flexibility to it. If someone can't afford to pay it, it's possible to reduce the face amount. You know, there's a lot that can be done, and that's why it's a good foundational piece to have. Uh, you talked about uh, mutual funds. So, if you know the difference between actively and passively managed, <laughs> then there may be some advantage to having, you know, a combination that's additional diversification. So, one of the things is if you have a, a mutual fund, is this okay? 
Yeah, maybe this will be the last question, and maybe we can talk about Okay. If actively managed is something where there are people that um, make decisions about the investment choices that you're making, that, that are being made for that fund. And so because of that, there are people making choices about industry and company, and there's expenses that go along with it. Passively, choice, passively managed means that they're just investing according to an index, and so they're buying the same securities and the same um, concentrations as the index does, and so there's no real thought process behind it, and so the expenses are less for doing so. And so there's diversification. You can have diversification for having both of them, but it depends on how cost-sensitive someone may be. It may depend on how comfortable they feel, if there's a benefit to having the, um, the actively managed account they're supposed to be. I mean, the whole point of it is that if you're, the market is doing better, that that manager is doing even better. And if the market's not doing so well, that, manage, that manager is not doing as badly as the market is. But those are things to consider. And, you know, I, I would suggest have a, a working knowledge of what's going on for yourself so that you can have some understanding about what people are telling you. And you can say, you know, I'm not so sure about that. But um, if you're younger and you have a number of years, 10 years or more, you can be a little bit more, a, a little bit more aggressive. Um, and if you're older, then you might want to consider something that's a little bit more balanced um, in terms of your investment. So.